It'd be really good for all the people out there to hear about about a bit about you, like um, how old you are, um, what you're into. Can you just describe yourself in maybe a few few different ways? Um, I'm 17, about to turn 18. Yeah. Um, I know I'm kind of loud when I feel like it, which is a lot of the time. Well, I'm heading into year 12 now. I don't like to study, but I'm trying to, but that's pretty much what I'm doing at the moment. And I don't know, I don't really do a lot in my spare time, just try and get things done mm. at the moment because I don't have a lot of time. <laughs> do you have a big family? Um, a little bit, yeah. Well, my parents are separated, so I've got my dad's family, which I have a little brother and a little sister, and on my mum's side, I have my stepsister, who's 19, I just turned 20, actually. Well, yeah. So are you the youngest, or are you? Like... I'm a middle one. For On mum's side, I'm young, but on my dad's, I'm the eldest. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's different. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think the youngest gets spoiled the most? In families? Mm, okay. In mum's, I, I do definitely, but mm-hmm. in dad's, probably at the moment, the middle child. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. That seems good. I'm going to come over. Um, okay, so tell us, a, tell us a story about your sister, you know, like in your family, like, was it your sister or your stepsister? Stepsister. Yeah. Um, so I've been in a step family since I was about nine or ten. And I have, well, I did have two stepsisters, which now I've only got one. Eliza was the eldest, and she was 20 at the time that she passed. Mm. Um, She was just, I really can only describe her as being a butterfly. Like, she was free all the time. She made her own decisions, but was so confident in herself. But not cocky, just, I don't know, confident and free. Like, nothing could stop her from really doing what she liked. But, um, yeah, so I wasn't amazingly close with her, but we were, like, like we were family, so we got got along pretty well. Um, The last time I saw her, we went to visit her when she was doing uni in Lismore, and she was living in Lennox Head, and, yeah, like, we thought everything was fine. Her culture had completely changed, 180. She was... I don't know, I kind of describe her as a bit of a hippie. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so we, like, thought everything was all good. Like, she was free, like, doing what she wanted and in such a free kind of environment. And, yeah, one day I was in school and I got a phone call from Mum and she was just telling me that I'll have to catch the bus home today. I was meant to get picked up. And she didn't sound confident in her voice at all. I got kind of nervous. I didn't know what she, like, what was going on. And she, when I got to the bus stop, like, I didn't get it. And she's like, oh, so is Henry and Eliza home? She was meant to come home that day. She wanted to move back to Newcastle, which I was so stoked about. I couldn't wait to see her. And, yeah, so I waited at home, like, when I got there, and I said, like, what's going on? And... Then when I was at school, like, I looked her up on Facebook to message her to see where they were on the drive, and her Facebook page had gone. Oh, wow. I went to Instagram, and Instagram was gone. Like, everything was gone. Then I tried calling her, died straight out. Um, so then when I came home, Mum was 
in tears when she picked me up in the bus stop and I just knew something was wrong but like I don't know I didn't I didn't want to face what was wrong and then we got home and my stepdad called mum and I could hear the news from the phone that she'd they'd just seen a girl take herself off a cliff and I I didn't want to believe it but it was pretty much already there so that was pretty heavy I don't think I, I don't even it's so scary trying to think back to that moment and just trying to figure out that that actually happened. I, I would never think that I would have to face that or my family or even just anyone would have to go through anything like that. Yeah. How did it affect the family and friends and yourself? I think everyone was in disbelief for a few days. Like, that wasn't her. Like, that wasn't her that went off at someone else. Like, we're all in a bit of denial. And then it got closer to the funeral. It really never clicked until we went to the funeral and I saw the car driving up with her in it and I lost it. Like, I couldn't... Like, that felt real. Mm. Um, what do you think... Uh, what things do you think contributed to her feeling the way she did to do that? Well, because she was so free, I don't... Like, I can't figure out whether she just took that freedom and did something bad to make herself want to do that. Like, we really have never gotten down to the point of it because, mm. like, we can't ask for anything now. Um, I'm, like, we were all kind of heading towards drugs and, like, the impact that that really had on her head. Yeah. So do you think she was doing some drugs with some friends and all that? Yeah. And just, like, like... I don't know, I just can't believe that such an intelligent person would really turn to something like that. Yeah. In hindsight, were there moments, um, I guess I don't know if you saw her that much, but were there moments where there were warning signs that she was consciously or unconsciously indicating that she needed help or she was thinking about that kind of thing? Um, I think maybe the lack of contact to our family. Like, she did like stop having contact with us for nearly a week I think it was and then one day she just clicked and said I want to come home and dad got on the flight the next day to go and pick her up mm -hmm. how did you um, how did your mum and dad like, how did her parents take it um I how think did they it? my stepdad's always been like the toughie like he's so like tries to put on this big tough act all the time mm -hmm. And I've never seen anything hit him before. And watching that, I think it was, it was hard to like, for ourselves to sort of comprehend it. But just seeing our stepdad down, like, I, I didn't even want to watch because that was sadder than anything. Like yeah. just seeing him down, always being like so strong, and then turning to that. Mm. And um, how have you guys got through this? How, how are you guys today? Um, where you are, you know, move, you've moved on, you're, you're living life, you're moving forward. How well, have you guys got here? We just have to think she's in, a, if she really hated being here so much, we, like we could have helped her and got her through it, but she's in a better place you now. Like she'll, like she obviously is so happy, like as sad as it would be to face that, like mm. she's in more, we hope, heaven. Or her own heaven. Yeah, that's awesome. Like, I so appreciate you uh, just opening up about this because I know this will be helping so many people out there. Um, because this is such a topic that 
um, like we're saying off here, like it's just so uh, relevant, but it's just so sensitive. Um, it's still for our age bracket. It's still the number one uh, reason or cause of death for young people. Yeah. Second is car crashes. Um, it's pretty bad. And um, so, what do you think from all this? Um, what do you think we can do about it? What? Can, how can we help? Be part of the solution in our society, like because um, when I when I hear stories like this, and I had a friend who did something similar two years ago, and it broke me. I asked that self myself my question. I asked that my, myself that question is like, so what can we do about it? Like, I don't. Well, when I found out about Eliza, like all I kept on thinking was like why why our family like why I've never heard of it really happening that much because no one ever talks about it it's never made public uh, no one really hears about it unless it's like a little attention thing on Facebook or people crying out for attention that they didn't get at school today or just something like that and I think people need to be made more aware that is the number one thing that is killing people at the moment why can't we make it aware that that is happening people are too enclosed about it and mm. act too raw around it which it is a sensitive topic but if no one knows anything like if no one makes it a, like an awareness about it then how are we meant to know mm, that's exactly right I think one of the um, I'd love to hear your view on this is um, one of the one of the main attacks against talking about it is even this, even your school said this to me was we don't want to talk about it because it might encourage it. And I'm like, depending on... My view is on, basically, depending on how you're talking about it. And um, what do you think about that? I think that people should really more talk about the damage it will have on the family, not just... The, like, they may feel damaged at the time, but they can have, like, seek help and... It, like get the attention and work that they need on themselves because taking themselves away from the world isn't going to help anything and I feel like people just push the idea that it's happening not what can we do to stop people wanting to do that and mm. they, people focus on the wrong things when they talk about it and I've realised that by listening to a lot of people talking about it they just say what happens and then everyone has a bit of a cry but I think people need to talk about the effect that it has not just what happens Mm, that's brilliant yeah because I don't think um, talking about it um, kind of depending on how you're talking about it like you said it can give I think discussing it openly about like the effects it's probably the most helpful things you can do about it to keep it like silent like it has been just leaves people isolated yeah. and, and distant from from other people that may be going through it um, there's a couple of things I've been thinking about asking you because I love you've got a good head on your shoulders especially for like a, a 17 year old there's these misconceptions around the idea and one of them was that and one of them is this and I know you probably experienced this through friends and stuff is people who talk about suicide won't really do it that's like a misconception I think um, what do you think about that because some people say oh they talk about it they won't do it I disagree because I think um, if people are talking about or thinking about those ideas, that's a that's the journey toward it. I think it should be taken seriously, from my experience anyway. Um, what do you think about that? I think 
if they've been given help and like if someone really does like a psychiatric nurse or something does have like a look at them and really figures out whether they have something wrong or not or if they're I don't it's a really hard question really like sometimes it is like they really are and do need help and are sick but other times it's just oh I'm being stupid today and all my friends don't want to talk to me or I don't, like it's it can be a big attention thing occasionally which I think when people do make it an attention thing they make it just about themselves and they don't think of other people around them mm. and I think that's the hardest thing but like I'm really supportive of people that do need the help because I know like how it would feel just to be that isolated yeah I think we should shut down our friends like socially we should correct each other a bit more on yeah. that kind of those comments like if you've got a friend in a group it's like oh, I just want to kill myself well but that's even if they didn't mean to say that yeah. that's a pretty insensitive thing to say yeah um and I know friends that have done that and I think say those things out loud and like don't do that even on Facebook I've got like students that I mentor who have kind of vented those thoughts to me and it's like well, you need to get help or is this a continuous kind of thought it's like trying to do a bit of detective work with it yeah is it recurring or is it just today like you yeah. said like I had a friend like really close to when I went back I only took about a week off school from it I really wanted to get back into routine to have normality and I don't know whether she did it to get attention onto herself or not but she started talking about this one time and then out of the blue she started talking about it that oh yeah dad was at the top of Byron Bay one day just doing drugs like when he was a teen and he felt like he could like take his life and all this like stupid stuff and I I couldn't I just froze like it felt too raw and real I had to walk off like I couldn't believe that people would be that insensitive to the topic and like especially what I'd been through like only the matter of not even a month ago from it Mm. yeah well, um, another misconception that I found, these are like things I've pulled from the internet actually, from like polls, um, save, this, the source I've got it from is from save, suicide awareness, voices of education, and they've got some great resources online, um, people who, um, people, I'll just say short circuit, you know, themselves like, um, people who do it are people who are unwilling to seek, who are unwilling to seek help. Um, this is something that I, I don't know if you've got any idea on but some, a lot of studies show that a lot of victims are shown that half of them have sought medical help and some of them haven't like a lot of them haven't but a fair few people have seeked help and done it anyway which is I think a wake up call as, as peers and as family and friends because a lot of time in our culture, we delegate responsibility to specialists. Yeah. We go, oh yeah, we send our kids to school to be educated. We send our kids to go to church to be spiritualized or whatever you believe. Yeah. But then we send our kid to uh, medical self to get fixed. But we need to, with a stat like 50%, a lot of this stuff, like they are um, victims, get help and they've done it anyway. A lot of it's still on us to support them in whatever way we can so I don't know what you think about that do you know anyone uh, do you have any thoughts on that actually 
I feel like if you're close to the, like you if you have like close friends and you can notice that they really are acting different but not in a like just a um, an off day or something like we're allowed to have off days but if you can notice that something's up in someone for a while like you really need to pick up on it like it's sort of our job as a friend or family to pick up on these things to really do like help them like if you let it go it's when things like suicide do happen because no one picks up on it and no one helps and no one gives them the attention or love or help that they need as someone who's been affected by suicide um what's some things that helped you get through what happened I don't think any help in the world really could have pushed me through it I like I like talking to people I guess talking about it made it feel better. Like it didn't, I feel like I needed to make it real to make me get over it. I had to accept that it had happened and Mm -hmm. try and move past it. But um, I guess it's a lot about like your family are going through it too. So sometimes you can't just rely on them the whole time to make you feel up or better about it or more accepting of it. But I think it's better when you're with your friends and if you feel like you do need the time to talk about it and you can talk about it and let things out and they're accepting of that, it's just so much easier just to get it off your chest and like it's nearly like walking stairs, like sometimes you have one that's a bit like some stairs are longer, shorter, like some days like it's just going to be a really long day or it'll be fine. That's brilliant. Yeah, I fell on with like emotional days. When you feel like um, when you've been hurt or you've been challenged, um, like eating, you've got to let you've got to have an outlet to get out. Yeah. Like if you don't actually digest or you don't get things out physically, you end up dying. Yeah. And emotions scientifically is just energy, and even energy that makes your house run, makes your car run, it needs something to help stabilize it. Yeah. And an outlet. Or can be very um, energy can be helpful but very harmful without that balance. So it's really, really, really good. I think a lot of people do scrape past it a lot as being an attention thing. And before it happened to our family, I only thought of when I thought of suicide. My the thought the only thought that came to my head would be that little thirteen year old on Facebook that would post like, "I hate my life" or. I want to neck myself or th- like stupid comments like that and you knew that they weren't being realistic and they really were doing it for their own attention and I really just scraped past on that like I never thought about it it never really meant a lot to me mm. and I feel like a, pe- a lot of people do have that idea in their head and they just like see that depression and suicide is more of a just a reaction of attention mm. what do you think what things do you think, um, in your experience, in your friend group, could contribute toward thinking more, less of yourself and could potentially lead down that path? Um, in a friendship way, I guess it could be feeling left out. Like, uh, if, like a lot of groups do have that one person that always is going to feel left out or isolated in the group or not a part of it. And I hate seeing that because they're just as important as everyone else and they should be included equally as everyone else and 
when they're not like they are going to feel down and they like you really can't blame them for wanting to feel depressed and isolated mm. but I feel like friends should be there to be your friend <laughs> yeah do you ever th- do you ever think that friendship and relationship is very like if you had to put in percentages is a lot of a lot of it's to do with verbal verbal talk like self-esteem and and well-being a, a high percentage of it it's just got to do with feedback yeah I mean you could look at somebody and be like, oh they're pretty or they're hot or they're attractive but and then they open their mouth and they could be completely something yeah. else and you're like oh what, my first impression was very different now yeah. to that um, I think we need to start being more honest with our friendship groups not just calling each other out when we've done, done something stupid yeah by catching each other out when we've done something pretty nice, yeah. I think we're lacking in a lot of. Um, there's two things I've noticed with mentoring is people lack self-defense mechanisms, like verbally. Yeah. So we're we're armed with um, attacks all the time. Oh, you're gay, or this, you're this stupid, you're blah blah. Yeah. blah. We're learning from movies and stuff. But when you're on the receiving end of that, a lot of people don't have the same amount of defense that they would attacks yeah. to kind of help them safeguard themselves. Yeah, and people don't put that into their own perception. They just sort of let it out. Yeah. And um, also, they lack sometimes the vocabulary to encourage people and to receive encouragement. So a lot of time in our culture, people, they, they only get told negative stuff. So when they get given a compliment, and I know you may, I struggled with this for ages, even being a museum and stuff, or oh, you're a great singer or you're a great guitarist. It's like, I don't know what to do with that like yeah I think taking compliments is a hard thing to do <laughs> like it's actually a struggle like what you don't want to be too cocky about it then you don't really want to accept it either like mm-hmm. um yeah but I think giving compliments is a great thing like a great quality and thing to do I think the best thing would be doing it to anonymous people because you don't know them and can you imagine getting like a compliment from a random like they don't know you like it's not just because they have to it's because they wanted to yeah I did that the other day there's a there's a fear thing for me because I'm against having any fear um I saw a really I saw a really lovely middle-aged woman and she was working at a cafe and I thought she had really nice eyes and she was really good service and I just told her that and and I was not implying anything else other than just wanted to just encourage her and she just like almost what up with tears she's like oh this made my day like appreciate this so it's it's really good challenge out there if if you see anyone like at a cafe working hard or around and there's something highlighted to you point it out point out the obvious to people yeah because we point out the obvious with negative stuff or oh, stupid shoes mate <laughs> or something like oh yeah did you hear today like yeah the obvious attacks yeah just picking something obvious pick out obvious nice things for people not just physical but like maybe like personality traits I like yeah. your laugh your laugh's great great <laughs> laugh yeah what's some key I'm, I'm into kind of trying to form template questions like what's some questions that you've found that best work naturally for you when you're trying to inquire about how someone's feeling you know you might have a sense that someone's feeling looks a bit down today what's a, a sensitive question that you could ask them without sounding like too judgmental or anything it's like oh you you look depressed. That's assuming straight yeah. away, but um, sort of like, how are you feeling, or what are you up to, or what's been going on? Yeah, but ease into it, not just straight into it, because then they're just thinking that you're talking to them because they look like something's wrong, not because you actually care. Mm. 
I think care is a big issue because a lot of people just assume that you're just asking them because of how they look, not because of how much you care. Yeah. So try not to be too assuming yep. going into it. Yeah. Um, it seems like a, a real common sense thing to ask, but you'll be surprised how many people don't know how to practice that in action. Like yeah. practically go, if I saw someone who looks a bit down, a lot of people go too far, hot or too far cold. Yeah. They're not too care. They're too caring, or they too. They're not caring enough, or they're too assuming. I think a really stupid question is when you do see someone crying, and then they go up to them, "Why are you crying? Really?" <laughs> <laughs> Give us some girl advice on that. If you saw someone crying, what what kind of what angle would you start at? Um, in a more girl way, I think it would depend on who they are. If you're really not that close with them, and they do have a close group of friends. I'm more of the person that would go up to the close group of friends and be like, what's going on? Like, why is she over there? No, I wouldn't want to face it directly because who am I? Like, if I just went over there and asked her, like, what's wrong? Like, are you okay? Mm-hmm. But she would pretty much look at me and be like, why are you talking to me now? <laughs> are you trying to tell me something? Yeah. <laughs> mm, yeah. It's, it's actually, if you think about these topics, they actually are quite... They need to be unpacked a lot. So yeah. They're very practical kind of things. If you see someone crying or someone's very quiet when they're usually not that quiet. Yeah. There's never the actual thing that's the cause. There's always a different cause. Yeah. So whenever someone's like physically coughing, you go to the doctor, there's always a cause of that cough. Yeah. It's not just, you don't just treat the cough because the cough will keep coming back. Yeah. I like that one you brought up about people think that, you know, suicide talking about that is... And the other thing is, like, a lot of people, when they do look at suicide, they can also think, like, oh, they're just depressed and they've done that. But suicide can come from a lot of, like, especially drugs, I think, is a big thing. Because a lot of people take them thinking they're just going to be in this little phase and be happy or free or just let go for a few hours and come back to normal. Like, if... Eliza really was on drugs like the fact that she did that is just an example of what drugs can do to you not that they're just a little bit of a high for a couple of hours like they can dictate your mind completely yeah that's a good point um even with um some of your the parties that we go to and stuff you see more happening around yeah people, people want the high and the experience of it but some people depend when you depend on it yeah especially I think that's dangerous and I, a lot of people are depending on it a lot more than what they used to. Like, I had a bit of a break from parties for a few months and then I kind of went back to one thinking it's just going to be like how they used to and nearly every second person was on something, not just alcohol or not drinking at all. Why do you think that is? I feel like, I don't know... Peer pressure is such a big thing now. Like, it's not even peer pressure. It's sort of like, oh, come do this and they will. Like, it, it's just sort of people don't even really think. They just do whatever they're told. Wow. It's like whatever the majority is doing. Yeah, they'll do it. Like, oh, I'm not going to not do that. Is it, do you think it's kind of similar in a different category, but similar to fashion? It's like if, if, you, if a guy just walked in with tracksuit pants on, like from the 1990s and... It looked completely different to everyone else. Yeah. You'd be, like, looked frowned upon. But when you go to a party, there's already a, already these things in mind that you have to look like a certain thing. Yeah. You have to bring certain things. Is, is there people, anything similar? 
yeah like people hate being isolated and when they do that they do feel isolated and yeah I guess drugs would be like the, a really big part in things now because people go to parties and they just sort of think I feel like people think like oh I've got to get my drugs and my alcohol and what then what am I going to wear not well yeah, yeah. That is crazy, state. That's crazy. Yeah. Do you know what? Like, I've come to your school and talked about this, but being a rebel would be not doing that these days. Yeah, it would. <laughs> At a party, why aren't you drinking or taking drugs? That's the biggest rebel. Yeah. <laughs> if you're just doing everything what everyone else is doing, you're not a rebel. Even though you think, oh yeah, we're rebels. You're a conformist. Yeah. That's so ridiculous. That's that's so crazy. So um. The key, uh, like I've talked about this with, um, in a drug episode, but the main reason why I believe drugs are dangerous, it's not because, it's not just the obvious thing that they destroy your life, because yeah. look at this, obesity is killing more people than, you know, like cardiovascular, like those are two major contributors to death. Um, and then you've got um, alcohol, which causes a lot of car crashes and domestic violence, but they're all legal. Yeah. So fast food's legal, it's killing people. Yeah. Alcohol's legal, so why isn't drugs legal if it's just destroying lives and stuff? It's because mostly what I believe is you don't know what's in it. Like tobacco and fast food, legally you have to show what's the ingredients, what factory it was from, it's accountable to some health regulation. But if you buy from your local dealer or whatever, even if you know them relationally, that's still pretty vague about what's in it. So it's not consistent enough to yeah. be put on a shelf anymore. And uh, you can even watch mates, like, trying to have a joke with one another and giving them the wrong thing just to see what they do, like... <laughs> which so is bad. sick, but, like, it does happen a lot. Like, I went to a party probably, like, not even... Probably a few days ago, actually. Yeah. And one kid, what they thought they were having, like, probably just being a pinger or ecstasy ended up being like an LSD or something. Oh, no, so he yeah. tripped out. Oh, he's, he couldn't even walk or he's just looking around. What he had? Pinger? No, he haven't. <laughs> That's crazy. That games are getting rough. That's a yeah. game. What, just quickly, just on the party stuff, is there actual set things at parties that people do, segments in parties? Like, is it, do people just organically just do what they want to do and that's it? Or is there party games that tr people try and get everyone involved with? Um, I haven't really seen like a drug kind of game, but like you've got your typical alcohol, like beer pong and yeah, stuff like that. Um, I guess that encourages drinking, especially like through underage. But I think drugs are a bigger issue now. Like alcohol has always been an issue, but the fact that drugs are coming past that is just really disappointing. Wow. That's pretty crazy. And the other thing is, like, people just take drugs and th that'll be nearly the same cost as alcohol, but all they've got to do is flip a tablet, not drink over the matter of a few hours. Mm -hmm. They don't really think... that People will more think of money now, not the effect. My question to anyone out there that's kind of doing that, it's not a judgment from us, but it's more... A question to you, I always question why. It's a very powerful one-worded question. It's like, whatever I believe or whatever I'm doing or committed to, why am I doing it? Because the, the why it's important is because if you look at it like this, 
I take drugs, if you add the word so that after it, it questions everything. It yeah. brings up the heart matter. So it's like, I want to be famous so that I'm accepted. Yeah. And you're like, that's really bad reason. That's the why. I want to go to parties so that I can hook up with, is that a good reason? I want to be famous so that I can influence people with my fame to make better life choices. That's yeah. a better one, right? Yeah. But if I'm doing drugs so that I can be accepted, and that's really an honest thing you have to come to if it's you, then you're going to have to ask yourself, well, what's the next thing? Because that will just keep changing. Yeah. And, you, and you're not free. And they're going to be getting worse, not better. <laughs> well, let me ask you this question, though. What do you think freedom is to you? What's freedom... What is people want to be free, right? I just want to be free as a teenager. I want to be free. What does that really mean? What's your definition of it? There's no right or wrong, really. For I would say when I'm asleep, I like you pretty much aren't thinking about anything unless you're dreaming. But I think I love sleeping because everything's gone. Yeah, yeah. Freedom to me is the ability to kind of say yes or no to something. So it's like, I remember this one time, my first, my, one of my first speaking trips, I I went down to Sydney and I stayed over at this guy's, this, this place and there was a guy there that kind of knew what I believed. I wasn't, in, I wasn't drinking or sleeping around and all that at the time because I just wanted to keep it from, from myself from doing that and that just was a conviction for me. And he really had a big go at me for it. He's like, oh, you you can't do this and you can't do that. Your whole life is about of yes and no's and lists. And I asked him this question and it stumped him. It was like, you know what? Um, I said, you're not free. He's like, you're I can do whatever I want. It's like, can you say no to drugs? No. What, what? If I rang up one of your mates and said, can you say no? Does he, does he ever say no to sleeping with someone who's, you know, a bit he's not all there at the party he's like no no if they say no and you say you're free then you're not free because freedom saying yes or no to something so if you can't say no to something it's just the same as not being able to say yes to something yeah so you're not free even though you think you're free I could be you in a heartbeat and I could be you in a second and do all those things but um that was just a little thing that I learned it's like if you want to do things because you're free you're not free if you can't say no to it and you're not free in the same way if you can't say yes to it. So it's like a big challenge out there to people. It's no judgment about your choices, but I want to challenge you with your choices. It's like, why are you doing it? So that you can be accepted, so that you just want to have a good time. What does that mean? What's that going to cost you? It's going to keep costing money after money. Like It's like a subscription kind of thing you've signed up for. Alright, well thanks Casey for joining us today. That's alright, thank you for having me. It's been so good, I'd love to have you back again. And um, Listen, if you've got any questions for Casey and her, um, about her story, um, any comments even just to encourage her, um, give us a Facebook or give us an email. Um, the Facebook's just facebook.com forward slash the code of kings and you can just inbox us or the web, they've got a new website, it's uh, www.thecodeofkings.net and you can contact Casey through that and I'll make sure she gets it and um, gets it, gets her to reply. Get, I'll get her to reply to you. That'll be great. Hey, thanks for listening to the Coda Kings podcast. 
We really want to encourage you to share this online and personally to any friends, family members and students that you feel would benefit from it. If you go to our website, greenroom.net.au and click on the live tab, you'll see Code of Kings podcast. We want to hear your questions, suggest some topics for us to discuss and give us your feedback about how it's helped you and your friends. Follow us on Instagram at the Code of Kings and hashtag us in your ventures of bravery, moments of discovery and you'll see us posting helpful things up on there. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. We'll see you next time.